Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Creative Control with Bish Khan. Hello, hello, welcome to the show. On today's program, Marie LeBlanc Flanagan, the executive director of a very uh, renowned music site. It's called Weird Canada, and Weird Canada are just about to launch a distro service. It's called Weird Distro, and it's uh, they're launching it with a bunch of parties across Canada. And when I say across Canada, I mean it. They are doing things in virtually every province and territory that uh, exists currently, as of this speaking. What? Anyway, Marie uh, is, uh, is a wonderful person. I've met her a few times, and I have a great respect for her and her work. And I wanted to catch up with her ahead of these uh, weird distro launch parties. So, uh, they're all taking place on the 15th of February, and uh, Marie and I have a very, uh, I think, a, a thoughtful chat, an insightful chat about uh, both... Canadian underground music and and the industry generally and how uh, outsider art relates to overground, you know, I don't want to swear, weirdness. I'll say weirdness. It's appropriate. Weird Canada. So it's a great chat. You'll hear a a song. You'll hear a song that uh, is reflective of the weird Canada aesthetic, I suppose, if there is such a thing. It's so weird that I'm going to stop using the word weird. Anyway, here it is. Myself, Marie LeBlanc Flanagan. Let's learn stuff together. This week, the Bookshelf Cinema is screening Mandela, Long Walk to Freedom, Gravity, Broken Circle Breakdown, Cinema Paradiso, Her, and more. On February 13th, the Balconies and Say Yes play an all-ages show at the E-Bar. And on February 14th, from 5 to 7 p.m., there's a launch party for youareloved.ca happening ahead of an evening e-bar show featuring The Medicine Hat, The Treble, and Jamie Gia. The Bookshelf is an independently owned culture hub located at 41 Quebec Street in Guelph. Visit bookshelf.ca for more information.
LeBlanc Flanagan is the executive director of Weird Canada, a, a music site whose mission statement is to, quote, encourage, connect, and document creative expression across Canada, end quote. It has earned renown for its curatorial acumen in promoting obscure, challenging music made across the country and for serving as a space for enthusiastic contributors to pay tribute to the artists who move them. Speaking of moving things, Weird Canada is launching Weird Distro, a means of distributing the physical manifestations of the music they love to people who want to buy and or sell it. Weird Distro launch parties take place all across Canada on Saturday, February 15th. And here to discuss this further is Marie LeBlanc uh, Flanagan. Uh, Hi, Marie. How are you? Hi, Bish. I'm great. It's nice to have you on the show. Now, where in the world are you, first of all? I'm in Waterloo, Ontario, though lately I've been traveling all across Canada. This is for Weird Canada business? Yeah, Weird Canada-related business. I was up in the Yukon at Music Survival Camp, up in Dawson City, talking to people about arts up there, and then Calgary for CMNM, the Canadian New Music Conference, and then Edmonton, just for fun. Oh, nice, nice. So wh- <laughs> yeah. wh- where are you actually from originally? Perth, Ontario. Oh, you're, you're an Ontario person. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, for some reason, I thought there was a, there is an Alberta connection to Weird Canada, though, right? Yep. Yeah, I lived in Edmonton for about four years. So, and and Aaron, my partner, is from Edmonton. There you go. And my and yeah. just to be on the, so that we're on the same plane. My wife is from Edmonton. Oh, yeah, they're pretty good. They make good people. There. <laughs> I like Edmonton. I like uh, spending time there. I like my wife. Uh, she's <laughs> she's wonderful. So yeah, no, that's great. We have a. That's funny that we have that in common now. I guess we should get to, to uh, the point of the, the the conversation. So can you maybe talk a little bit about what Weird Distro is and why it's come to be at this point? Sure. Uh, so you you kind of cut out in the question, but I, I think I, ha- I understand what it would be, uh, theoretically. <laughs> I, I, can so, just, I can repeat the question. <laughs> but I could just make up my own question, sure. could I not? Sure, <laughs> So So the Weird Distro... Uh, was it? Well, actually, repeat the question. Yeah, that's probably for the best. <laughs> <laughs> I just said what I just was wondering. What, in your own words, what is Weird Distro, and why has it come to be? All right. So uh, maybe maybe let's start with with Weird Canada because it, Weird Distro will make a lot more sense if people have a little background on where Weird Canada came from. Sure. Uh, so Weird Canada was founded in two thousand and nine, and it came out of campus radio, campus and community radio. Uh, Aaron Levin was the music director at CGSR, and he started hearing all this amazing music from other music directors that wasn't accessible to people outside of campus and community. Excited and wanted to share it with people, so he started a little blog called Weird Canada. Uh, Weird Canada existed as a place for Aaron and, and a few other people to enthuse about emerging Canadian music, especially stuff that was a little more challenging or experimental or fringe for a couple of years. But things really changed for us when we won the CBC Radio 3 Best Music Website in Canada contest. Um, they changed for us because it was then, you know, and I'd been around for, for a while helping behind the scenes, but it was then that I really realized that Weird Canada had come to represent something for people. It was a cultural home for thousands of Canadians who wanted something besides the commercial stream of music. So I, when, when I saw, they, I mean, they all voted. It was a vote-based contest. So when I saw that we won, uh, I sat down and I said, let's do something. We have this, we're at this next 
this. We're in this moment. All this opportunity, all these people, all this energy. Let's make something. So I sat down and talked to everyone who was involved, and I, I came up with a mandate based on what people said they wanted to do and based on what we'd done so far. And the mandate was... Uh, as you said earlier, to encourage and document and connect creative expression across Canada. So mm -hmm. everything that we do, uh, have in the past and continue to do, is to encourage. And that's really important. We really want to encourage, build community, connect communities. We document along the way, and that's kind of fun. Um, but that's where the weird distro came out of. So we had this mandate and we made a list of 35 projects. 35 projects that included things that we had been thinking about for years that we wanted to do and we, we were like, let's try and do them in one year. <laughs> Which was a terrible idea. It was a ter 35 projects is way too many projects. Never do that. Okay. Um, so, but, but, but the distro was one of them. The distro was one of the 35 projects and one of, another one of the projects was to apply for, start applying for grants and start trying to get money to do these things. And the distro was the first project that we applied for a grant for. Uh, I wrote the grant with the support of easily seven, and we got this $50,000 grant from Factor uh, to solve a problem. And, and the problem, as I outlined in, in my grant application, which, by the way, is available online for anyone to read because it drove me crazy that I couldn't find any grant applications online to template from. So mine's up there. Okay. Uh, but is is so the problem is that Canadian music fans have they just don't have a reliable, consistent, secure way to buy music from emerging and experimental Canadian musicians. So there exist things like Bandcamp and there exist things like CD Baby and there exist things like iTunes, but all of them have a hole in one place or another. Like things don't align properly. So there's this, there are all these amazing bands making music more and more every year as technology becomes more and more accessible and microphones are cheaper and computers have recording programs on them. And then there are all these fans. Often the bands themselves are fans. There are all kinds of people who want to buy this music. And, and often, specifically, this fit, uh, the children of, of the internet, you know, the internet generation, I think are driven towards wanting more physical more physically released music for mm -hmm. some strange reason. Like they're overwhelmed by like the a, a billion songs on their on their uh, MP3 player, and they want to hold a record and to say, "This is a piece of music that I bought by a band that I love." So right. there are these fans, and then there are these musicians, and then there are record stores who are kind of caught in the middle of it, wanting to sell this music but not really wanting to deal with a thousand DIY teen punk bands and the complexities that that brings. And then there are these like these tiny DIY labels, which, which are just passion projects done by people after their day jobs uh, to release this, this physical music. Um, so the distro is, is very simply put, just an online store and a centralized repository for this for this music is solving the problem of bridging that gap. Okay, I appreciate the explanation. I'm calling back to what you were saying earlier about a kind of watershed moment for you. And I suppose I'm curious, it kind of leads into my next question, which was going to be about the landscape of music journalism in this country and, um, and other popular uh, underground popular underground music blogs uh, like Hero Hill and Chrome Waves, which recently uh, shut down uh, after many years yeah. of, of supporting uh, underground music. But I, I think it's interesting that another website 
another music website catapulted your music website. Like mm. the fact that CBC Radio Three did a thing. Like, I don't know. That just seems it seems odd that they <laughs> they would have a platform to support. I mean, for something where they're trying to generate, you know, users and whatever. It's just interesting that they showed... Show, it's nice of them, but it's just weird. There's something about the landscape here that seems weird that they would shine a light on a potential competitor almost. Right. Well, I mean, those kinds of contests, those vote-based contests, uh, are a bit weird to begin with, right? They're... They're pretty transparent marketing ploys, yeah. and and anyone who has any presence on social media has encountered this. Friends begging for votes, and you think, do I support my friend or do I respect the integrity of this contest? I mean, I haven't even looked at the other ones. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's a bit of a weird thing, um, and and that's why my my moment, my realization is is just as complex and and screwed up as I was gonna swear actually I, I almost never swear but complex and screwed up as as uh, as the world that I live in you know like it, it is a weird messy marketing ploy by CBC but also you know done by people all kinds of real integrity and interest in the music community right but 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 everybody's forced by capitalism to be in this strange competitive marketplace that shouldn't be competitive, that should be supportive. Right. You know, we've been working more and more with Silent Shout and with Wavelength, and we're just excited about them. Like, they're not our competitors. They're our, our allies. Um, that's how I see it. But I don't sell ads, so I don't really care how many people look at a thing. Right. So so how do you sustain? You mentioned that you received this grant uh, or started writing grants. Uh, how do you support? Is that your primary means of sustaining uh, the website uh, at this point? Excellent question. Um, so that question, hmm. <laughs> I, uh, I had a friend who was working on the Truth and Reconciliation Commission uh -huh. uh, and, and developed PTSD. Uh, trying to deal with talking to elders who schools about reconciliation and and some small payments to help alleviate some of the very fringe problems that come from the suffering that they experienced uh, and then going back to Ottawa and talking to government people and politicians and and people refusing to stay up things and just waiting for their pensions. Um, and he just got so overwhelmed by it all that he was, he just like checked it. Hmm. He, he hung himself and he just like left. Oh, no. So oh, before sorry. he did that, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's sad, but I, I, I sometimes wish that I could have put more light on his story because of the story that it lights up like this, the suffering from Canada's residential schools is so intense that even hearing some of the stories can create PTSD. Imagine being the first-hand experience. Uh, anyway, so <laughs> before he passed away, he wrote his will, and one of the things he wrote in his will was enough money for me to go to grad school and pursue something. Uh, he always felt like I had a lot to offer. And, and I decided instead of going to grad school, I mean, there was no clause like that I had to go to grad school. He just left his money with that idea in mind. Um, I decided instead of going to grad school, what I was going to do is spend a full year of my life working full-time on Weird Canada. Hmm. 
at the potential uh, for something more, like for something more than than a blog, uh, m something that would be a community for do-it-yourself and emerging and fringe and challenging artists and musicians and writers and zine makers and performers, but a space, a space for those people, a space outside of the tyranny of advertising and the tyranny of investors, just, I mean, you can never fully be outside those things, but you, you, you can create a space away from, from them, a space where they don't get to set all the rules. So I never want Weird Canada to be a grant-funded organization. I want it to be a volunteer-powered organization. Hmm. I want people to very intentionally say, this is where I want to put my labor hours because this is a community space that exists outside of ads and outside of agendas of granting organizations, et cetera, et cetera. But how so I'm going to... I'm sorry. I'm going to... Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. You go ahead. <laughs> I'm going to continue to apply for project-based grants. Um, and yeah, it is frustrating because there's going to be a push. So the projects, for example, the distro project got funding... I didn't apply for a grant for my accessibility project, which I think is more interesting in some ways. So, yes, sorry, we're sorry, still going to be impacted. Sorry, sorry, you broke up there. You mentioned, okay. I, I don't know if you finished your sentence about what the accessibility project was. You probably didn't, but can you just no. can you elaborate sure. upon that? Yeah, so the accessibility project is is a project that I've been working on that looks to address the accessibility of cultural spaces and places and people. Mm. So specifically, I'm interested in who gets to be places and who doesn't. Because whenever there aren't people in a place, you can, you can be positive that there are barriers there. And sometimes that's fine. I mean, there's always barriers. There's always people who aren't invited. But if you look around your uh, you know, art space or event or the people who've received your grants, or the people who are in power in your House of Commons, and you say, where are the women? Or why is everyone white? Yeah. Or where are the children? Like, those are interesting questions. Right. So I've been, I've been wanting to work on a project that addresses that. And one of the small things that I'm doing, uh, like beyond some of the obvious things, like reaching out to organizations who work in this kind of stuff, is I'm making an icon that I'm going to give to DIY promoters and individuals and groups to put on their posters or their website. And what that icon will mean is that that person has has engaged in a conversation about accessibility. Uh -huh. So it doesn't mean that you won't get sexually harassed at a show, or it doesn't mean that you can, like, a promoter can't one's homophobic when they're letting them in the door. But what a promoter can do is say, if you're harassed at this show, I'm going to kick the harasser out. Right. Or the promoter can answer the phone when you call them and say, yeah, I know for a fact the bathroom doesn't meet accessibility standards, but the front door does, but it's locked. Like, that these questions have been thought about mm -hmm. is, is a first step towards, I think, having better accessibility for our communities in general. So that's, that's one one small step that I'm taking in the accessibility project, but it's really like, it's a hard project because it involves a mental shift uh, that's kind of big and hard to do, even for me. Even for me in trying to formulate what I mean by accessibility has been right. a big jump. Right. No, that, that's a, it's a, it's a noble project and I think a very necessary one uh, and maybe one that I feel like awareness about this issue is spreading but i think uh, your work here will will really open up some people's eyes 
you know, and not take for you know, not take spaces for granted and the people for granted as well. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, I really, I really hope, even if just like all it means is that a couple of promoters look at their stages and say, "Oh, everyone's a white dude." Yeah. Um, <laughs> even if that's it, uh, I would feel like I would feel really good about that. Yeah. No, and I think I think it is important. Now, you, you touched upon so many things here that I want to ask you about uh, contest-driven uh, music journalism or whatever you want to call it, or music hubs. Um, you talk about uh, uh, trying to make a, a volunteer-driven site as much as possible. I guess I'm curious about the sustainability of something like this. I I'm wondering how the concept of survival of the fittest and it's like coldest, most capitalist marketplace context is applicable to outsider art. I know it's a yeah. huge question, but because in a lot of ways, the art that you're supporting and, you know, a lot of the art that I'm interested in operates completely outside of um these me- these kinds of mechanisms that are very driven by profit um they're very interesting and there's these little audiences for them but as soon as there becomes sort of commodifiable something about it um can change but i i guess i'm just curious how you envision uh, a livelihood for both the artists you support and a site like yours based on on the way you've been operating yeah. Oh, that's a good question. There are a couple different things I want to answer that with. And one is that I don't care if Weird Canada dies tomorrow. Weird Canada isn't, it isn't uh, like an investment. It isn't like a, a legacy. It is a space for people who are into this right now. So, so, so long as Weird Canada has a space and a place and is useful, it will continue to exist. And if it dies, that's fine. That's the amazing thing about uh, about having a project that's kind of outside of capitalism. Like, there's no desire to grow it. If it grows, great. If it doesn't, that's fine. And if it dies, that's totally fine. There will be someone else who starts something different, someone who starts something different and similar tomorrow. Like, yeah. there will always be people wanting to do this kind of project, and it isn't important to me that it is called Weird Canada or that it continues in some kind of, like, legacy way. Uh I mean, of course, I do have identity invested in it, and if someone slandered it, I would be really like sad and emotional. But ultimately, there will always be people starting things like Weird Canada, and that's what's important to me, not the form or state of it as it stands. So sustainability isn't that important to me. Um, but I mean, okay, it's not important to you personally, and it sounds like you've received some funding to sustain this project. But I mean, yeah. I'm t- I'm talking about the reality for the artists themselves yeah um that you're supporting and it's oh, not, i want to talk about that i do i want to definitely it's not that. your responsibility but i'm also as someone trying to make stuff i struggle with this all the time like having worked for people who paid me money and now not having that as much i mean it's very spotty we're all kind of in this boat where we're making work because we want to make it and running into, I mean, we used to have support from, as you say, Radio 3 or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. There used to be these support networks for it, and now all of them are like, well, how how is this going to work out in terms of uh, web analytics? If we cover this band, 
what's their <laughs> social media like? There's all these considerations being made about art, uh, uh, and we'll call it art. Like we'll call it, it's pop music almost in every case that I'm referring to. And I, when I say pop, a lot can happen in the next three years, like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Music, you know what I mean. Um, yeah. It's music and and uh, you know there used to be a, a a kind of desire to showcase the most edgy music because you as an outlet wanted to demonstrate your knowledge and you know your your being a, being ahead of the curve you know and that seems mm-hmm. to be replaced slightly by safer approaches and so yeah. in the general cog of music journalism as I say, like when and we didn't talk about it, and it's fine. There's specific examples when places like Hero Hill and Chrome Waves are shutting down, and I think in response to the fact that they looked at their kind of numbers and realized like their numbers were, weren't increasing, they might have been decreasing, and the things that seem to be doing well in the current climate are lists and you know kind of unjournalistic things, I suppose. Like, how do you, again, this is a huge responsibility or burden I'm placing on you. It's not your responsibility, (laughs) but this is the world we're in, and it's very confusing, and I assume it must be confusing for artists as well as people like you who are trying to promote the art. Where's the, what do you do? What is the, what is the, what is the solution to this other than just saying, I don't care if we're not sustainable, because you're not when you you're not talking just when you say that I don't think that Weird Canada is only about itself. No, it's about a community. No, no. It's about a community. So when you say that, I find it a little troubling because I think you should be concerned about this whole thing being sustainable. Yeah. So I again, like I I I feel like there are a couple different answers I want to say, and one of them is I want to talk about how musicians been cut out of the profit line and it's really strange and it's brand new and I don't think it's gonna last the way it is it's not sustainable so what's happened is I mean people talk about the music industry is dead the music industry is dying that's a total lie the music industry is thriving it's exploding but there are people siphoning all the money out before it reaches the artists and those people are telecommunications giants, their internet providers, their mp3 player makers, those people are making tons of money off of music and they're siphoning out the profit before it gets to musicians 
that's not sustainable. People aren't going to stand for it forever. Mm -hmm. It's just a strange little bubble for them. Things are going to change. And I, I can, I can guarantee that because, because something like it will, it'll hit, it'll, it'll hit a point and things will change. The music industry is doing great. And, but all that said, DIY and experimental musicians have very rarely been, been huge monetary successes. And I think most of the musicians that Weird Canada writes about know that they're not going to make it onto the big stage in the stadium. The sounds that they're making don't make sense for that. Right. Okay. I mean, that's that's the other kind of different. That's the other side of it. The kind of reality of what you've chosen to do with yourself um, can sort of that probably sets your mind either at ease or whatever in terms of expectations about something. But you know, when you, I'm just concerned when when you say that you're not concerned, that concerned me because <laughs> I I, th- I think it's worth uh, yeah. as someone who has myself who has sort of operated within music in various ways as a musician as a as a promoter as a writer as a whatever i've done i mean i've been through it all and seen it and i'm watching it unfold and i'm confused in some ways by it but it also all makes a lot of sense it's not right but it makes sense and it's weird yeah so i'm just curious i keep using the word weird i guess it is <laughs> I do that too. I do that too and it gets very confusing. Yeah, and um, I don't I don't mean it. I mean this is genuinely st- strange times like end times yeah. or whatever you want to call it. It just seems odd. Anyway, Faith, faithful times W Y W Y R D. Yeah. The etymology of that word. Th- that's right. Um, that's right. But I want to say before we leave this, I also want to say that uh the internet is new, right? It's a it's a new thing and and there has been a drive because people think, okay, well, how do we make this profitable? How do we measure this? We don't know. And people are measuring it in eyeballs. Yeah. They're they're saying, how many eyeballs? How many eyeballs? Right. How many impressions? What does this mean? And, and that is a, and it's because it's driven by advertisers, right? Because advertisers, that's something that they can count and measure. So even if it doesn't lead weird fest one year, I bought Facebook ads, no click led to a sale ever. Right on a Facebook ad. But but advertisers can say, well, but that's what you're buying is brain real estate. Right, you're right. buying space in someone's brain for your brand. And that's enough for big brands because they understand the psychology of humans and how we operate and they know that that will lead to purchases in the future. Yeah. So that's what's going on. But what it's doing is it's driving the content towards link bait, towards towards people wanting something that grabs attention. They just want the click. Give me the click. That's all I want. Yeah. And you see brands like Vice going more and more and more and more and more towards knee-jerky, attention-grabby kind of headlines and losing credibility. And it's really interesting. Like, I'm, I'm just fascinated by it because... Because it's, again, it's like a bubble. Like, people are becoming, they're becoming tired of Link Baby titles. There are jokes about, what's that website with the inspirational videos? There are jokes and backlashes against these titles that make you want to click. And people are losing interest in the same way that, you know, the one secret that your dentist doesn't want you to know has become a joke. Yeah. Like people, and, and it's going to happen. People are going to get numb to it and it's going to turn into its own thing. And, and I just, I mean, I think that we're kind of in an interesting time intellectually 
and and things are changing and people what's going to happen is brands when they advertise are going to have to be so subtle they're going to have to advertise by bashing themselves right right by having smear campaigns against themselves yeah no like raw Ford. you know like that's what's going to have to happen right for brands to become known and it's going to change the nature of advertising and it's going to change the nature of content and further one last thing before we leave this as the internet progresses certain companies are collecting more and more and more data about us and that's unprecedented so in the past and you could build models and assess what people would do but you couldn't actually use numbers to quantify behavior and to typify people into predictable models right now you can now you i mean i i would if i was evil and i was in charge of google or something i would make models and I would be able to predict exactly when someone is that they're most insecure and hit them with the ad that they needed right then. You know, like it's, I don't know, there's there's so much interesting stuff and I'm getting totally off topic. But I think that my like, my blasé kind of like, if we could die, we die, comes from a knowledge that we're living in this in-between time and that things won't continue on in the way they are. I hope you're right. I mean, I I hope you're right because I'm not, it doesn't seem promising for it doesn't seem like a promising time intellectually and that, that makes <laughs> i me... tried i tried to convince cbc music to hire me to do a brave new waves type show um and of course nobody's interested in that um right. <laughs> and i said i want to do this show it's not going to get any eyeballs and i think that's a good thing i think you'll be ahead of the curve right. the most important posts on weird canada are not the most viewed points posts the most important posts on weird canada are the posts that no one is looking at but that everyone wants to know that we're covering right and i said to cbc music i said when i went on and saw that you had an entry for torso the experimental sound artist from halifax who helped found obey convention that gave you credibility to me and your credibility to me is worth a lot because i'm connected to tons of people you know and it's worth a lot more than someone going and seeing that you have the same Beyonce article that every other web platform has. Right, but the main- and you're missing what the value is. Like you're missing, you're missing the emerging new nature of value on the internet. Don't get in the top ten link bait contest because it's a waste of time. That wave is falling. Yeah, but that's not how a company like that would operate. They're not concerned about that. They're concerned about what you said earlier. They're concerned about the eyeballs and impressions that they can take to advertisers. They're not, it's not operating and they're not being made to operate as if they're a public broadcaster anymore. They're operating like a privatized company. Right, exactly. And that's just the way they are right now and it may change, but I mean... That's why, I mean, even as we discussed at the top, like the fact that Radio 3 helped launch you and now, you know, I think a lot of people aren't very happy in terms of users anyway, aren't that happy with the service anymore because it seems tepid and watered down. And I think part of the reaction to you receiving votes is it's, I think, kind of problematic for a service to point out a better service (laughs) <laughs> like it just seems counterintuitive to how they operate now like i can't see them doing that now being like yeah what's the best music site in canada um you're a music site in canada like why the hell would you do that it doesn't make any sense but, but no it makes them a cultural authority though and that's kind of that's valuable like we're yeah. such a cultural authority that we know who the best music site is i know and, and that- i always i always say in volunteer introductions i say and we're not the best music website in Canada. We right. are definitely not. 
and there's no kind of pretension on our part that we are. We are a very special, unique site with very interesting and sometimes hilarious politics. Yeah. <laughs> but but definitely not the best, even if I believe that there was such a thing as bad. Well, I mean, I just... But, but from, my, from my position, I worked there and did mostly try to highlight underrepresented voices with occasional forays into mainstream culture just because they also interested me. I'm not a I'm not some honorable monk that that only <laughs> survives off of underground culture. I mean, I I'm I like I like different aspects of the culture and I will enjoy a Bruce Springsteen concert as much as, you know, a Chad Van Galen mixtape. Like that's just the way I am. But anyway, yeah. my point is I don't think I was necessarily rewarded for highlighting the lesser known aspects of music and art and culture in this. I was in fact jettisoned um, for, <laughs> for doing that. So it, it's a weird, but when I, but at the same time I was brought in to do exactly that. Like when I first yeah. worked for that company, that's what I was known for. And yeah. when it evolved into this, we need to make money model, then it just, they're like, we don't give a whatever. We don't care about Eric's trip or what. Well, I don't care. I'm just, I just mentioned Eric's trip for some strange reason, but they just don't care. I don't think they care. There's people there. Yeah. That, there's people there that care. I'm painting a broad brush. I'm painting it with a broad brush, but I just, I, from my perspective, it just wasn't a good scene, and uh, it was sad because you. And and this is why I want to talk to you about stuff like that because we're, I'm seeing it all deteriorate, and that is just one, the biggest example in this country of waning interest, and and maybe why you have been able to fill a vacuum. Yeah, things things fall apart, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> like my 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 son right now is upstairs falling apart. I can hear him. He's homesick, <laughs> and I try I try to distract him. So we're gonna have to wrap this up. Uh, and yeah. I I think we should, uh, as cold and callous as it sounds, I think I'm gonna ask you one final question before I go get him. Because if I go get him and then ask you the question, you will not be able to answer, because okay. he'll he'll just tell me he wants to do something. So my questions are. Uh, how can people, either musicians or fans, best interact with Weird Distro? And within that, what are these parties on uh, Saturday the 15th of February going to be like, and, and where are they? Can you answer all of that? Of course. So first, quickly, you should read your son Yates. Things pop, fall apart, the center cannot hold. I think it's very appropriate for the for the <laughs> conversation that we've had today. Okay. Um, second, uh, on Saturday we're having these really amazing parties all across Canada. They're led by Weird Canada volunteers, and they're making a lot of the decisions. We're, we're not uh, McDonald's here. So so there are like bands playing, there are video hangouts, so that you can send questions directly about your music, consigning your music to the Weird Distro, what it means, our vision, where things are going. Fun things like, oh, are we going to do community radio distribution? That sort of thing. Ask any questions you want. Um, Wait, what was the second part of the question? Uh, the second part of the question. Uh, that was the second part. So there was a first part about the distro itself. I was like, how can people... Uh, oh, artists interact. How can artists interact? And so, fans, yeah, with the distro yeah. service itself and then the parties, yeah. Yeah, so fans should come to the site and buy music. Support your favorite DIY independent emerging musicians with your money. Those are your labor hours. You can show them love. You should. Mm-hmm. Musicians can sell 
through the site. You can just email me at distroweirdcanada.com and I'll set you up. We're definitely a service for a very fringe, niche, emerging music community. If your music is better suited to sale on CD Baby, sell it on CD Baby. It's a one. Music is suited to Weird Canada and will be bought by people who are coming, who are part of the community, sell it through us. Uh, that's not to be exclusive. It's just like there's not serving anyone if we sell music that won't sell. Yeah, yeah. That said, I'm I'm very I believe that taste is subjective. I value everybody's creative expression, even your son like howling in the bathtub. I value that. Okay. So don't be afraid to approach me and ask me, people. If you want to sell music through the store, I'm not going to be an asshole. I'm really nice. Okay. All right. That's uh, much appreciated. And are there, so the, uh, I guess uh, the parties are uh, literally all across Canada. Uh, off the top of your head, can you kind of list some of the places where people can go and interact with uh, the celebration of Weird Distro? Totally. Uh, St. John, John's Newfoundland, St. John, New Brunswick, Halifax, Nova Scotia, Sackville, Charlottetown, Quebec City, Montreal, Ottawa, Toronto, Guelph. Saskatoon, Winnipeg, Edmonton, Victoria. Uh, there's one in a library in a Callowit held by Dan Galloway, who's an amazing musician. Look him up. And uh, Whitehorse. Wow. So it's <laughs> literally all across Canada. Yeah, literally. <laughs> and it's kind of up to the, the people in various cities to do whatever they want. Uh, yeah, we're sending them a check and a package of like a couple tote bags, T-shirts, pins. Uh, and they, there's live music at every single one, um, and it's going to be amazing. Okay. Well, listen, it's, it was great to speak with you. I'm sorry it was a little fractured between our technological uh, issues and people phoning and my son, but it was a great... Uh, uh, I, I hope we can speak again further because I think there's a lot of stuff we couldn't get to, but I do want to tell people that once again... Uh, Marie LeBlanc Flanagan is the executive director of Weird Canada, which is launching its Weird Distro service on February 15th, 2014, across Canada. You heard her literally in cities across Canada. For more information, please visit weirdcanada.com. Uh, Marie, do you know if it's permissible of you, for you rather, to pick a song that may have been exhibited on Weird Canada for us to hear right now? Is there something that uh, you think we can share with people? Yeah, I, I would love to hear actually a song by Dan Galway, the person I mentioned, who's our None of It volunteer. Um, let's see, it'll just be on Bandcamp, so it'll be super easy to get to. And come on, Bandcamp. <laughs> uh, I'd like to hear Real Talk. Real Talk by Dan Galway. Yeah. And and if people want more information about Dan, go to his band camp. Or go go to weirdcanada.com. Yeah. Thanks so much, Beach. Okay. Thank you, Marie. And uh, I, I hope we'll speak again soon. Yeah, please. Bye now.
Hey, thanks again for checking out Creative Control with Vish Khanna. You can email me about the show at creativecontrol933 at gmail.com. That's creative with a K, control with a K, 933 at gmail.com. You can also follow our Twitter at Vish Creative, V-I-S-H-K-R-E-A-T-I-V-E. And you can also like our Facebook page. A version of this show airs on CFRU in Guelph every Wednesday at noon Eastern. And you can listen to that online at CFRU.ca or if you're in the KW region at 93.3 FM in Guelph. You can also sign up for the weekly mailing list for the podcast and the, and the show at vishkana.com and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. I believe that is everything I wanted to tell you. Thank you once again. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.